The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Let us stand for the reading of the Gospel. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Uh, I begin today with a sad story. It's not a true story, except for the point that it makes. It's a sad story. It's a story about, about three pastors living in the 1920s or 30s, serving small rural congregations out in the, the cornfields of Iowa or Nebraska or Minnesota. They serve these little churches, the little white churches with the steeples. You might, how many of you have seen little white churches? You, you know what I'm talking about. Well, they serve, these three pastors serve these churches, and uh, they would come together regularly for Bible study and prayer. So one day they came together for Bible study and prayer, and this is the conversation that took place. Pastor One said, we have bats in our steeple, and they're making a mess. We put up a statue of owls, and we put up statues of snakes, but nothing worked, and they're still there. Pastor Two said, well, we have bats in our steeple as well, and, and we tried noise. We shot shotguns, we set off fireworks, nothing works, they're still there. Pastor 3 said, we used to have bats in our steeple, but we got rid of them. And they said, well, how did you get rid of them? He said, well, we confirmed them and they never came back. We confirmed them, and they never came back. Today is Confirmation Sunday. It happened in my confirmation class. The Swenson boys never came back. <laughs> it happens in Lutheran churches across the country. Young people are confirmed, and they don't come back. 
there are probably a lot of reasons why they don't come back. Maybe they live far away. Maybe they had to go and didn't want to go. Maybe they thought it was graduation and it was all over. Maybe there was no parental support. Maybe they didn't like everything they had to learn. All kinds of reasons. But I think I have a reason why it so oftentimes happens that we confirm, young people are confirmed and they never come back. And the reason is this. We talk about confirmation as something done to the children, not by the children. Confirmation is described as something passive and not something active. Oh, come to church today. Janie's going to be confirmed. Come to church today. John is going to get confirmed. Oh, come to church today. I'm going to get confirmed. As if, as if the church had a stamp that said confirmed on it. And the kids would come up and they go bonk like that and conf- put confirmed on their foreheads and then they can leave the church. You see, we think of confirmation as something that is done to them. They're passive. And the fact of the matter is that confirmation is something that is active. They confirm. Confirmation day is a day that young people confirm something. They're active in it. They confirm the fact that when they were baptized, they didn't know much about it. They didn't know anything about it. I, how many of you knew anything about your baptism? I didn't. Steve did. Occasionally that happens. In the Lutheran church, most of us are baptized as infants. And that decision is made for us. And then in the confirmation, after a period of instruction, young people are asked if they want to confirm what their parents did. Do you want to do that? I've always believed that nobody has to be, nobody has to confirm their faith in Jesus. They don't have to. That it's a free choice. But there are pressures at home, aren't there? There are pressures in the church. I remember we had a young man in one of my first confirmation classes. His mother said, if you don't get confirmed, I'm going to break your arm. Is that a good reason to say I love Jesus? (laughs) I believe that young people don't have to confirm what their parents did. That's a free choice. But we give them an opportunity publicly to come before a body of believers like this and say, yes, I agree with what my parents decided. I'm glad I was baptized. Now, they decided for me. Now I decide. I confirm the fact that I want to be a Christian and I will follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Confirmation is something that's active. It's not something done to you. We don't have a stamp. Confirmation is a a time of transition, a time of change. It's a time of growing up. It used to be. It used to be that at confirmation time, 
from confirmation on, girls could wear hose. Anybody remember that? If you remember that, raise your hand. I'm not lying. See? That's right. It was, it was a time of transition. Many times, boys got their first suit for confirmation. It was a time of, of transition, a time of growing up. At confirmation time, you were no longer child members of the church. You were confirmed members of the church. And in many churches, you could vote. You were growing up. It was a time of change. You had been through basic training. How many of you were in, in the military? We got a couple of folks. Basic training is something they do in the military. When they bring you in the military, you haven't been in the military. See, they say, you're going to have eight weeks of basic training. Where they're going to train you how to be a soldier. Or a sailor, or a marine, or whatever. And after eight weeks or ten weeks, you have been basically trained. But your training is not over. But you're trained enough so that you can be a soldier. You're trained enough so you can go out and fight and even die for your country. Basic training, confirmation, instruction is basic training. And at the end of the training, at the end of the classes, you ask young people, now we've told you what it's all about. Do you agree? And do you want to go in front of the church and say, yes, I agree, I want to be a Christian? If we understood confirmation that way, where we give young people the freedom to say yes or no, I believe a lot fewer of our young people would be like the bats, where you confirm and they never come back. We're glad that you're saying yes. And I have to say, I love what Mary wrote. God, I will worship. Lord, I will be faithful. God, I will honor you until the day I die. That's confirmation. But think of this. What we'll do in just a little while in the rite of confirmation for Jonathan and Kaylee is pretty much like what we do every Sunday when we say together the Apostles' Creed because the Apostles' Creed is a central part of the rite of confession, uh, the rite of confirmation. Every Sunday we, we, we say together the Apostles' Creed so that you can say that every Sunday in our church Every Sunday in our church is Confirmation Day for all of us. It is. I've told you that about some things in the church, I have a minority opinion. That is, some of the things I believe, a lot of folks don't agree with me. They're not necessarily wrong, but they're a minority opinion. And when I give you a minority opinion, I let you know. So you can take it or leave it. 
Well, I'm going to share with you a minority opinion about worship. And it's got to do with screens in churches. Screens are popping up across the country in churches. It must be somewhere in the back of the Bible that says you have to have a screen. I don't know. <laughs> now, I'm not against screens. I'm not an anti-screen person. Okay? Not, it's not about that at all. But there's one place in the screen, in the projection, that really irks me. And that's when we say together the Apostles' Creed. Because we get up and we read it. We don't say it, we read it. We've been saying it for 40 years, but what do we do? We get up and we read it. Do you need it up there? You know, for me, for me, the Apostles' Creed is like the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't have to project the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. You don't have to project that because we know it. We say it by heart and we say it with pride. Well, the Apostles' Creed is the same way. And yet across the nation, in thousands and thousands of churches, people will be reading the Apostles' Creed Except here. I'd like you to stand up. Without the benefit of a screen. <laughs> without the benefit of a book. With the benefit of memory. From the heart. I invite you to confess... I would like to invite you to confirm your Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, how did that feel? Wasn't that wonderful? without the benefit of anything except what's up here. It's confirmed. We're Christians. You may be seated. One more thing. Today is Pentecost. And the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the coming of the Holy Spirit has an intimate connection with Christian faith and with Christian commitment and with Christian confirmation. Because we're told in 1 Corinthians 12.3, no one can say Jesus Christ as Lord 
except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who came down on Pentecost, gives us the gift of faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. It's not something you do. If you go back to the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in such power, on that day, 3,000 people, 3,000 people were confirmed. They heard the, pre the preaching of Peter. They heard him call for repentance. They said, what will we do? And, Jesus, and, and Peter said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people said yes to Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit came. And when you and I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's the same Holy Spirit calling us to faith and leading us to faith and giving us faith. Let me tell you a story from, from, my, from my confirmation. That was um, 67 years ago, okay? It's back when there were dinosaurs. We had to learn, the, we had to learn Luther's small catechism. We had to learn it by heart, the whole thing. How many of you did that? Turn around, look at the hands, look at the, turn around, turn around, look at, look at all the hands. We had to learn Luther's small catechism, put them down. And then, here's the fun part. Before the day of confirmation, there was an examination in front of the church. How many of you did that? See? So my confirmation class, we sat up here in front of the congregation and the pastor asked us questions to answer by memory. Scary. One of the things we had to learn was the explanation, Luther's explanation of the third article. The third article of the creed is I believe in the Holy Spirit. And this is what Martin Luther wrote. I believe that I cannot some of you are saying it already. I can see it. <laughs> I believe that I cannot, by my own understanding or effort, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. I cannot believe on my own. And then Luther continued, but the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctified and kept me in true faith. And in that memorization, I learned that I had received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been messing with me and I didn't know it. I believed in Jesus. I thought I had done that. No, no. The Holy Spirit had called me through the gospel and enlightened me with his gift and sanctified and kept me in true faith. I was a Christian because I had received the Holy Spirit and so have you. We, we Lutherans have a hard time with the Holy Spirit, don't we? Let's be honest about that. That's something that Pentecostals do, right? <laughs> if you ask most Lutherans, have you received the Holy Spirit? Ask me something else. <laughs> there are only three answers. Yes, no, or I don't know. Have you received the Holy Spirit? 
There's only one answer, isn't there? If you believe in Jesus Christ, whether you know it or not, the Holy Spirit has come to you, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Holy Spirit is calling you to faith, has called you to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That was a revelation to me. It may be a revelation to you that the Holy Spirit has been messing with you as part of your life. But if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've received the Holy Spirit. That's confirmed. Soon, these two, this brother and sister will come forward and acknowledge their faith in Jesus Christ, and that will be confirmed. And we, this morning, again in the Apostles' Creed, have confirmed that we are Christians, proud followers of Jesus Christ. And this week, as we leave this place, let us go forward into the world proud that we're Christians and letting that light shine. Amen.